You're listening to Strictly Business Podcast with Lindsay Williams. JSC has closed its doors for another day, so it's time for the five o'clock shadow. And as always on a Tuesday, it's the Doubleheader Dream Team edition. And tonight we have David Shapiro from Sassman Securities and a special guest appearance from Joanne Bainham from Sterling Private Wealth in Cape Town. Joanne, you've been very, very vocal. Welcome, by the way. You've been very, very vocal on Twitter. And I sense this sort of inner, not anger, but inner frustration when it comes to the local and international markets. And particularly when you forwarded me that thing from uh, Neil Ferguson, the economic historian, which was long and detailed, but very, very good. So just give us a sort of general idea of what you're feeling about markets at the moment. Okay, so what I'm feeling about markets at the moment is a lot of negativity and people will tell you, oh, but that's only noise. Uh, And it's true. There's a lot of bad news out at the moment. And you traditionally, one would just go and rush and buy the market because that's a great time to buy. But I still don't find valuations compelling. Uh, And I find it we live in a very strange world where economic data isn't great. Inflation remains high and a banking crisis causes tech shares to rally 14%. It's not a market that makes a lot of sense to me at the moment. And I guess I'd rather be wrong for a while than be spectacularly wrong. So I'm staying on the sidelines. I think cash looks very attractive. David, are you a cash man? Am I a cash man? Exactly. Um, Not at all. At the moment, I think Lindsay's been hearing me for the last year and saying, um, I'm not really ready to go into the market. I watch it very carefully. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm making no big calls um, if if we do get new money in, we'll put a little bit in. But um, I must I must say, and and funny, I was talking to Lindsay last night about this. Suddenly, tech for me is starting to become a lot more attractive. Not not on the valuation side, but rather that things are starting to develop. And um, after a year of doing nothing. Um, you know, we're suddenly seeing a lot more activity, whether it's in the gaming side. I was reading a report this morning on NVIDIA's new, call it, I hate the word platform, but I mean, the new offering, that's a much better way to say it, which is uh, also allows uh, competitors or, 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 sorry, companies uh, to bypass Amazon and uh, their cloud, you know, cloud offerings and go direct to um, you know, to NVIDIA for, for whatever it is. I've got, to, I've got to learn the technical side, but it's all related to artificial intelligence. So suddenly we're starting to see a lot more of that happening, which I find attractive. And, uh, well, I find interesting. Let's put it that way. Okay. And it's starting well, David, to stir my interest again. Yeah. I, I guess I'm not disagreeing with you. There are going to be pockets of opportunities. Right. But I guess my call was more on a macro level okay. to say that a regional banking crisis would ultimately lead to the Fed cutting rates by 200, 300 basis points and long live the long duration argument around technology. Yes. So you, you yourself just mentioned NVIDIA not using Amazon's platforms as an example. I think we're going to see massive cannibalization in the tech industry. Mm. And what were the winners of the past might not be the winners of the yeah. future. So to your point on AI, what could that mean mm. for Google's business model? What could it mean for search? So Google stroke Alphabet. So I think that there will always be winners in tech because people mm. will always be attracted to the 10 baggers mm. and hoping to find them. But I guess if you look at the last 10 years of markets where interest rates have been zero, an awful lot of zombie companies that should never existed mm. went on to do very well because mm. interest rates were naught. And I think if you look forward I think a lot of traditional companies, and the miners are one of them, and energy companies are another, 
if you have a longer term view, I think that could be more interesting going forward than it's just been pure tech. But I guess in the very short term, what I was saying, and I don't know stocks well enough like you, David, I certainly don't. Yeah. But but I think just buying long tech shares because they, you expect the Fed to cut rates doesn't seem like a really good no, argument to me. No. no, that's exactly what I was arguing against. What I'm saying is that technology companies are starting to um, become technology companies. Yes. Um, and, and I'm with you. And, and, and again, uh, we haven't spoken for some time. I don't buy businesses that are not making money. So, well, that's uh, good. <laughs> yeah. do, do you know what I mean? I mean, even yes. if they take yeah, David, let me not... just interrupt you. That's a very important in, point then. because uh, in, in the in the past you would be you would be buying Tesla because of the the Tesla brand because it was um, it, it was it was trendy. Yeah. It was something that you had to have, and it wasn't making any money. You bought Uber uh, because it wasn't, even though it wasn't making any money. Have those no. days gone, David? I've never bought Tesla, and I don't own Uber. And, and um, for that reason, that uh, the businesses that I do buy must be generating cash and sufficient of it to reinvest in the business and also to perhaps uh, either declare a dividend or uh, buy back shares, whatever it is. In other words, sufficient cash. And that's why what's interesting, Joanne, is, is around what you're saying, and it's a, it's a lovely argument, is that, yes, while um, NVIDIA has crept up to now – um, being the number six, the sixth biggest company in the U.S., just mm. below uh, Berkshire Hathaway, and so, mm -hmm. you know, still a long way to go before it starts to challenge Apple and Amazon and that. But um, what it does do is it spurs those other companies not to uh, be profligate and waste money, but rather to say, "Hold on, we've got some rich competition coming here. We better, we better up our game." So. I see those companies uh, um, still maintaining their competitive edge, you know, but it just it just stimulates a lot more um, more interest and activity. So, um, you know, when when I say tech, I think I just have to qualify it by saying that I'm not going to buy, you know, a company that makes robots that's going to clean the floors or something like that. You know, yeah, it's not sure. automated <laughs> companies. Companies that might be automating factories, yes. But they've got to be profitable businesses. You know, they've got to be selling their product and so on. Yeah. I'm but just I, trying to remember, I, I David. If you, Sorry. if you go back in history, mm -hmm. was Amazon always cash flow positive, even though it was losing no. money? No. No. So no. Amazon would be an exception to that rule, I'm guessing, in terms of. Well, I never bought it in those days. <laughs> okay. All right. <laughs> Sorry. Okay. I, you know, I'm being I, I didn't buy it in those days. I, you know, you know, yes. uh, uh, it's 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 a rule that um, yeah you I might you know Diane you can buy these if you're a speculator at your own mm. money but when you're looking after other people's money you can't be frivolous or as we say go to Cheda you know go to Hebrew school on your client's uh, pension <laughs> you, know? no, you can't but but <laughs> so, Lindsay to answer mm, your question though yes. I, I do think the rules of engagement are changing. And I think whilst David might not have bought the Teslas of the world and might not have bought a lot of these Ubers, et cetera, an awful lot of people have. Uh, and I think those who are relying on the Fed to save the day by cutting interest rates, allowing zombie companies or companies that don't generate earnings or cash flow, I, I do think we're going into a different era. And I guess the reason I'm saying that is because I don't believe inflation goes to 2% in a hurry. And even though I think inflation has probably peaked and is going down, 
I think we're going to have higher inflation in the years going forward than we've had in the past, which ultimately means there's a cost of capital. It's something you and I, I drone on about in all these calls with you when, when we talk. I, I think you're going to be look at your portfolio very differently today. So in the case of David, he's always cared about cash flow and earnings. That's probably not a change to his business model. But for a lot of people who've looked at shares, they didn't care what the cost of capital was. And I think it'll be important going forward. OK, let's have a look at this, now, Joanne. I'll stay with you uh, because the US 10-year yield, which is the one I watch, I'm not fancy enough to look at the two-year and look at the yield curve and everything. I look at the 10-year. It's 356 at the moment. And it was 330 a couple of days ago. And everyone was saying, well, that's it. Uh, the Fed is on pause now and maybe even start to cut rates uh, early 2024 or end of 2023. Now, suddenly, I, I see the headlines. No, they're betting on the fact that rates are going to continue to rise. Joanne, where do you stand on this one, having read the Neil Ferguson article and also other bodies of evidence? Well, not even looking at Neil, Neil Ferguson. It's not if Niall. You look back, no, no, you mustn't say Neil. <laughs> he was in my studio. Neil. He was in my studio in Cape Town, <laughs> and I said Niall Ferguson, and, and David will understand this because there was a footballer called Niall. What was his name? Uh, David. He used to play for oh. Arsenal. Niall, something or other. Neil. Oh, I'll find it. Yeah, you, you'll All find right. it anyway. He 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 stopped the interview when I said Neil, welcome. He said no, stop now. Uh, I called him Niall. And anyway, the fact is it's Neil. But anyway, go on. Okay. All right, back to Neil. <laughs> okay. Thank you. I, I, let's make it much simpler. If I look at what the BOE did after the guilt crisis in the UK, remember those pension funds were in big, big trouble and they tried to bail them out. They supported them. They bought the, bought the guilts and helped out, but they didn't stop raising interest rates. Uh, and I think if you look what's happening in the US, they're trying to bail out the regional banks. They're trying to fix a problem, which I think a lot of the regional banks are of their own doing. I, I think if you look at regional banks, it's an asset management problem, not a credit problem at the moment. But I think that might change. Um, I don't think the Fed has to cut rates to save these companies. And so therefore, I'm not buying into the whole we should be cutting rates, go long, long duration assets. So the fact that regional banks are now apparently OK that was yesterday's announcement. Mm. It makes perfect sense to me that US Treasuries yields should start rising again because the only reason they were falling is that they were trying to game the Fed. This, the very same Fed who'd said, we're not cutting rates, so please don't expect it. Though admittedly, I don't think a lot of people take anything the Fed says seriously at the moment. And I know that's a big, big thing to say, but this is the same people that called it transitory. These are the same guys that should have raised rates an awfully long time ago. These are the same guys who should have cut rates a long time ago. I, I think they are, yeah, I don't think they're doing a particularly good job. And that's that's probably saying a lot. Okay, David. Um, you, you're, you're not so much a macro man, are you? You're a, you're a stock man, stock-specific man. Mm. You only invest in companies that are making money, uh, cash flow mm. positive, have good balance mm. sheets, have good management, that sort of thing. Mm. But you look at macro on the side. What do you think about yeah. what Joanne has just said? No, I, I think she's, look, 100% right. I don't, I don't disagree with her in, in any way whatsoever. I don't think that the Fed will necessarily cut rates. It will only cut rates when the economy really starts to fall. What I do think, though, and uh, what, I, you know, what, what I do believe is that um, they have to just pause and uh, reflect on what's happening because I don't think they fully understand what this means, uh, which to interpret, you know, just to, to go forward, I, we don't know whether this is the end. Although things have settled down now, uh, we, we have no idea what will happen next month or there, the month thereafter. And Joanne, what, what staggers me, and you're also a CA, 
what staggers me is uh, is how uh, banks were allowed to get away without marking to market or at least disclose that in their reports and that no one watched that. I cannot but David, overcome. Hmm? My understanding is they did disclose it. And that was or what it, caught, well, okay. it, it was in the footnotes apparently somewhere. Yes. Yeah. Mm. So, so what we're yeah. arguing is the whole hold to maturity versus hold market to market. Yes. Uh, I'm far more okay. So the counting argument, you know, let's not go there right away because it's too easy sometimes. But the other argument is, you know, you, you're an asset manager, David. Yes. And you look, and I've yet to meet a South African fund manager who wanted to buy U.S. treasuries when they were at 1% or half a percent, wherever they got to. I didn't meet a single South African fund manager who wanted to do that. And yet banks in the States were holding as much of the stuff as they could. Right. It wasn't like the Fed didn't give people a few clues that rates were going up, okay? So it wasn't like the Fed went from 0% to 5% in one day. They've done it over a period of time. So why weren't they doing interest rate swaps? The big banks were. No idea. And so, so apart from the fact that, you know, there's a counting disclosure argument, there's also a, you know, a poor asset management because this was not bad debt as such. This was poor asset management on yeah. the bank's deposits. Yeah. But there's another issue that also really gets to me is if you look at bank deposits in America, if you were earning 0% on your mm. bank deposit and you could earn, let's call it 4 to 5% on a money market account, it's perfectly rational that you would do that because you were earning no money in your money. Why were banks not increasing margins on deposits? Okay, they weren't because net interest margins would have fallen. Well, then maybe what the inverted yield curve was telling you was the banks couldn't lend money. So they shouldn't have been taking deposits in the first place. If you can't lend that <laughs> yeah. money on and make money you out of it. You can't not. That's a problem is that you can't not. The only way you cannot take deposits is not paying interest rates. You know, people can dump well, yes. and, and Well, the thing is, then they have a run on deposits and then yes. they all go, how did that mm. happen? Yeah. Well, yeah. It, it happened. They, they can't, yeah. Yeah, yeah no, no, the I can't problem... they can't, mm. but they should have increased margins or done. There yeah. must be other ways they could have done this with, you know, fi- okay. fixed for floating rates or yeah. there's probably a whole bunch of things. I mean, I do, what I am concerned about now, and I'd like to hear your view, David, oh. is from what I understand, uh, regional banks in the States are 80% of the commercial property market in the U.S. Yes, so yes. They, and, and a lot of that yeah. debt, unlike um, uh. residential debt, is kind of gets refinanced every three to five years. And uh. there's a lot of commercial property debt coming, having to be refinanced pretty soon. Is there not a concern there, given occupancy rates, uh. given higher interest rates, that we could have a potential bad debt problem now in regional banks? Oh, that's that's what I'm saying. What that's that's the point. We're not over the issue yet. Mm-hmm. We don't know what lies ahead, and that's that's a very valid point because that's where regional banks are uh, make their money is financing property. You know, particularly in the regions in which they operate, almost like our old building societies, which might be before your time, Joanne, because mm-hmm. you are very young. Oh, so, you're very young. <laughs> yeah. I can I can tell you I, I can tell you in real age off off air, David. But anyway, go on. <laughs> so, okay, enough, gentlemen. So, you, uh, you know, we have those building societies, and if if you if you go into the failure of those building societies, it was exactly what happened now in a in a in a, a very similar way where they were lending long and borrowing short. Mm. You know, so many people had their building society books. I mean, it's a it's yes. it's classic failure, and I think this is the big problem. You know that that those regional banks 
face at the moment is any kind of pressure on those property markets because that's where they were lending the money. You know, they weren't lending it to uh, to large businesses who were going into huge, you know, into huge developments and so on. It's, mm. it's on those loans that they that they made their money. So we're still very nervous or still very cautious about uh, the banking crisis. And I think the Fed is very aware of it and needs to uh, improve its risk management side of it. And I think oh, yes, I'm just watching, I'm watching now um, uh, on my screen, of course, is the Congress now you know, having a go at uh, what happened here and starting to ask questions about uh, the so-called banking crisis. And I think there are a lot of sweaty people um, you know, having to answer those questions. So, Jan, this this should not have happened. You didn't believe it was going to happen, or you might have been, because you're probably uh, a lot more uh, conscientious about this side. But I don't think anybody thought that having come out of our 8 or 9, we were going to face these kind of issues, because we thought the regulations were in place that would have stopped any kind of um, you know, or poor administration, because this is poor asset management, as you said. Poor, you know, it's not the regulation, just poor application of those regulations. But now, from what I understand, David, and I probably people know this, is that there were regulations in place. Yes. But Trump rewrote the rules <laughs> that banks under 250 billion didn't have to follow these same regulations mm. as the big ones. Okay. So I don't think we've got a banking crisis in the traditional sense of the big banks. And, you know, we've had this European story, but I think Credit Suisse is a totally different story all of its yeah. own. I, I think that's I think they like to blame SVB, but I think they were no, crooked from no. day one. So I think what no. lots they, they come up yeah. and has come their way. Mm-hmm. But but, you know, I, I there is a worry about what it means for economic growth, though. So even if the commercial yeah. property market yeah. doesn't collapse in a heap and, and there's some clever structuring, it's very hard to believe that regional banks are going to be rushing to lend money to people if they can't make margin on it. No. So, so that continues to be a, a pressure point on the U.S. economy. No. I, I guess perhaps that's why tech shares have gone up because they're the you know growth is more I, certain. Maybe that's part of the argument. I, yeah. But but I, I guess I, I look at the markets and I go well. You know, where do I want to invest clients' money? And I think there are probably better opportunities in other places. You know, you talk about tech, but like, surely Chinese tech looks interesting. I mean, I see, I haven't read, I haven't, I haven't read the comments today, but I see Alibaba's about yeah. to They're splitting up into six different divisions. Yeah, I mean, is that yeah. a knocking value? Is that a good thing? What do you think? Well, let David speak on this one because no, I don't I, understand I, stocks. No, it's it's he's splitting it. Jack Maher is back, and they're going to split into six different divisions, all of which are commercially viable, and all of which will raise money. So he'll yes. have uh, apparently a, a cloud division, a commerce division, a logistics division, whatever it is. I'm I'm just kind of guessing, uh, knowing the business, how they would break it up. So um, I think the hope is that each division division can stand on its own and uh, I think there might be a change of heart in the uh, Chinese uh, government in order to try and promote um, you know growth once more I remain very skeptical I think I think um, you know I, from a political point of view I've uh, you know I would take a step back I still think that um, they're going to have to kowtow they're still going to have to pay homage to Mr. Xi and not be able to go on their own as they have, you know, the fact that Jack Maher is back, um, I don't know what they promised him. And, uh, um, but, you know, even, even, the, you know, the fact that he fled and was, uh, or had to flee or just decided to seek refuge somewhere else tells you a big story. But, um, 
that, but, okay, but David, that's, that's, mm, that's Alibaba, yeah. right? And mm. and people aren't noticeably skeptical about China at the moment. Yeah. Like, I don't fully understand it, but I see the Hong Kong pig is under pressure at the moment as money keeps leaving China. Mm. And, you know, you've got comments about the $60 billion lifeline that the Fed is giving and people are saying it's Chinese using the money. So there's lots of like weird stories out there. I don't know if you remember mm-hmm. the Mark Mobius one who said he couldn't get his money out of China yes, at the moment. Yes. So, so there are lots of kind of weird stories. Mm. But then we have NUSPES and Process and the JSC. Yes. And these shares are up spectacularly. Mm. Given your comment on Alibaba, I'm just curious, what, what does that mean for you for NUSPES and Process? Well, they're buying back their shares. They okay, spend so big billions. That's, that's, that's an a- Okay, yeah, that's, that's the answer you need. Okay. That's all they're doing. I mean, uh, don't don't get me into that side of the market, you know, because um, they're doing nothing else other than selling out of the well, they, they, for the meantime, but they will continue to sell out at ten cent, buy back their shares to close the gap, and then waste it, waste whatever money they do have <laughs> left on other kind of you know areas which tech areas such as food delivery and 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 other things okay. which are never yes. going to make their money. But I mean, okay. as long as they buying back at the rate they are billions yeah joanne i i follow the volumes on the jsc every day and uh to be honest if it wasn't for them there would be no stock you know stock exchange on there there would <laughs> be no jsc there that, is that's no very volume. scary there but, but is no David, volume. over yeah. and above them buying their own shares. Well, Lindsay's not getting a word in here. No, no, I love it. I'm just, she's just been downstairs, made a piece of toast uh, with some with, with, with some bovril on it, and I've come back, and the tea, oh, and I'm this, doing it now. Yeah. Are you still That's talking, crazy. you two? That's except, fantastic. Except, David, uh, what I would say is, from what I – and I haven't looked lately. The last time I looked, uh, Tencent was up like 90% from its low. So it's not purely just a share buyback argument. It's also the fact that Tencent has done very well. So – Whilst we might all be terribly skeptical about China, I think what it reminds people who are listening to this is, you know, price is what you pay, value is what you get. And mm. a lot of these tech companies in China were so beaten up that even with yeah. all the bad news out there, you could buy them. And I, I guess that's when I look at the markets, I go, well, if everyone's really bullish about something, I, I get a bit worried. Okay, let me tell you something about China now. And it's a frivolous thing, uh, but it, it's, it, it tells you a lot about the... The sensitivity that China has—it's—it's it's almost it's a xenophobic country that is um, is very global. I, I don't quite know how to describe it, but if you have a look at the new Winnie the Pooh film that has been released in the UK and and worldwide, it's been banned in Hong Kong because Winnie the Pooh is associated with something that happened a few <laughs> years ago when <laughs> President um, Obama yeah. and President Xi were walking along and they looked like Tigger and Winnie the Pooh because he, <laughs> he's got that... Winnie the Pooh himself has got this sort of squashed up face like um, President Xi has. I mean, nothing wrong with that, of course, but they've banned it because they think it's disrespectful to President Xi. That is what you're dealing with here. And mm. if anyone thinks that um, that any, any tech companies are not going to be called upon yeah. to provide data to the Chinese government, forget about it. You're, you're in cloud cuckoo land. Joanne, you were laughing there. Yeah, but I guess. You know the story. No, no, I... I... No, I guess it also boils down to portfolio construction. And I'm I'm not saying bet your whole house on Chinese equities. I'm just saying sometimes the price is cheap enough to take the risk. Uh, and so I was trying to ask David, like, after these shares have done so well, his answer was there's lots of share buybacks. So, you know, for now, that's fine. I just was curious. I, I, I was just, I have to, I, you know, I was looking because at your chart, I was saying, uh, you know, where it's bounced back 90%. Um, I'm going back where, 
sorry to do this to you, but I'm, I'm uh, you know, I, I just I in my own October. mind. Sounds a bit yes, obsessive, in, doesn't in, it? Now, in 2021, I'm, I'm talking Hong Kong uh, dollars, 10 cent in Hong Kong, yes. uh, was 6.98 on the 17th of February 21. That's two years ago. Mm-hmm. It fell from 6.98 all the way down to 195 mm-hmm. and has now bounced back to 3.78. So it's still, if you want me to do the drawing, uh, it, it's still, and not just, just because it, it just shows you how far down they still are despite the bounce back. So even though they have bounced back from the very lows, they, it's still 48 or 50, call it 50% just to round it of its highs, which were yes. early 21. But so I guess there's what I'm still saying a long is... way to go. We're back in that. We're, we're back to probably 2018 levels at the moment. Um, it had risen from 13 to 18, 13, 2013 to 2018 massively. That was the big growth area. It continued, but now it's still under a lot of pressure. And, Joanne, the profits are not good. You know, the profits, I mean, the profitability, is it's growing at a very pedestrian grade. Uh, simply because it can't release games. There's still a lot of pressure on so many areas. It is looking for new areas you know, in which to make money. So I, I, I'm on Lindsay's side. I just say, hold on a sec. I don't understand the culture. Hey. I just uh, I like the fact when they buy LVMH bags or they buy Ferraris or they buy <laughs> Hermes, what's it, Jane Birkin bags or whatever those are. Yeah, that I love, but I mean, Oh, look, please, please don't get me wrong. I, I'm not flying the fag for China here. I, I'm, I, all I'm trying to highlight that sometimes share prices get cheap and there's a lot of bad news priced into things. And I'm not saying right now I'd be a massive buyer. I'm saying is the reality is somebody who bought in October has made a lot of money. And that's oh, kind yeah. of where, that's where I'm coming okay. from. I mean, right. as for as for Richmond and LVMH and all these companies, I, I think the market's got quite a hit of itself on that one. It's kind of like China will completely follow the same game plan as the rest of the world, open up and spend lots of money. Mm, I don't know. We'll have to watch and see. Let's, come back, to, let's well. come back from, let's go from east to, to, to west and to south and talk about the South African market. David, only a couple of things came out today. In the last hour or so, EOH came out with a trading update. I think the share price rallied initially by 3%. This is a company that you followed and uh, because you're a sort of a stock market historian in your spare time. Yeah. EOH, what do you think of it? A long way to go. They haven't quite established. I think there's a lot of sweat that's gone into trying to turn it around, but it's taking longer than everyone expected. And I don't think it's going to get back um, to where it was. When I say where it was, I hope it doesn't get back to where it was. But, I mean, before um, there were – before management misbehaved, I think that's the best way that I can put it. Um, I think this was a superb business that offered uh, a really good service. And I think it's going to take a long time to get back. They haven't got back their Microsoft license. So, um, you know, when you look at the market cap of this year, Lindsay, it's, 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 you know, it's quite pitiful where it is. Um, battling along. And I see today even the trading update is is negative. This is a company that is now has a market cap of a billion rand, mm. which is uh, probably 20, 30 times uh, less than it used to be, you know, or 90% off its high. I haven't got a chart of its previous high. So, yeah, 
You know, I, I look to see whether there is um, any kind of turnaround there or whether it's happening. But poor old Stephen Foncola just sweating it, you know, sweating from one day to the next. The other mm-hmm. thing is, uh, Joanne, sorry to exclude you here, but you're not stock specific <laughs> today. Um, master Drilling, mm. interesting little company. And I wonder if it's a sort of yeah. a, um, an indicator of mining activity in South Africa, because we saw at the recent Indaba in Cape Town uh, that uh, the figures that came out was that South Africa is way behind when it comes to exploration yeah. uh, of, of the resources that are so abundant in South Africa. But Master Drilling suddenly um, comes out with numbers, share price up around about 4%. It's an interesting company. Yeah. It's, it's, again, another very, it's very small. It's only a two billion rand company, but uh, um, all over the world, I mean, what it drills holes. That's what they do. They drill <laughs> holes for everybody, you know. So, I mean, they're all over in South America, in Central America, in North America, in you name the whole of Africa, and that. And look, they're, um, you know, to their credit, it's a very neat little business. Um, a a lot of neat. It, it, yeah, it is. But, you know, they, they, you know, unfortunately, where it's a two billion company, you can't get a big chunk of it. It's very yeah. hard to to really if you're going to put clients into it. I know that a lot of analysts who follow the smaller businesses, uh, you know, love this one and they've never been let down by it. But uh, it doesn't expand beyond. Uh, you know, can't get out of uh, where it is at the moment. It's not going to be a five billion, ten billion business. It's uh, it's probably going to be a very nice, you know, niche little business uh, to own. So you're not going to get Coronation in '91 uh, having a look at it because the stake would be meaning would be meaningless, not meaningless, but it wouldn't be meaningful for them. Is that what you're saying? No. So retail that, uh, punters, you know, it's, it's not going it's not going to move the needle for. For ninety-one, you know, if you're if you're a private investor and uh, you want to take a stake in it and build up a stake, it's it's you know all very well, but I think for Coronation, which I don't know how much money it controls, it you know, must be I don't know five six hundred billion. Yes. <laughs> to take yeah. to take a hundred thousand rands worth or two hundred thousand, it's not going to make any difference to their life. And that is a problem, unfortunately, with small caps generally in the JSC. I mean, I, I speak to a lot of the guys who say the large funds today are, are finding it very difficult to buy these funds. And it's a it's a massive problem, actually. Even the, some of the large cap stocks, some of these guys are struggling to buy this, these days. So oh, uh, you mentioned earlier, David, what I was quite sad to hear, that it wasn't for the NASPAS trade and the market would be uh, quite quiet. Yeah, yeah. That's it, terribly it sad exist. to hear that. It would That's not awful. exist. I, yeah. I've, uh, I've been doing a bit of work because I've been updating my figures. And uh, the JSC is worth, call it 20 trillion rand, okay? Mm-hmm. The first seven companies, none of which do any business in South Africa, and I'll give you their names if you want, mm-hmm. the first seven companies make up 66% mm. of that 20 trillion. That's the JSC. So uh, I'll rattle them off. Process, uh, Process, BHP, Billiton, Anheuser-Busch, Richmond, British American Tobacco, Naspers, Glencore. Those are the first seven, and um, they account for 66% of well, David, uh, the market cap. I spend so, my entire mm. life interviewing managers, and the thing mm. I ask them all the time these days, and they all tell me local is lecker, and I go, is local even local? It's Yeah, it's not. Is it even local? Yeah. And they look no. at me like I'm mad, and I go, you, you're deciding to buy, you know, when you talk about offshore assets, you're deciding yeah. to buy them in South Africa rather yeah. than buying them somewhere else. Yeah. 
but you're buying offshore assets. You're just you calling them something you else. I've got, I've got another. The the what I say is that um, by doing that, you know, you are buying South Africa. You are buying offshore. So I'm saying, why buy in a spaza when you can buy in a supermarket? In other words, you don't have to buy them here. No, that, Sorry but, to say but, that. No, yeah. no, no. But David, that, yeah. that's what I tell my clients. I go, yeah. if you're really bullish resources. You don't yeah. have to buy the JSC because, no. unfortunately, if you if you're really bullish the ESG concerns, then you're not they're not necessarily all the right resource shares no. in South Africa. And I think Glencore is different, and I think BHP Billiton is different. Mm-hmm. But you know the platinum miners arguably mm-hmm. aren't going to have the same no. be the same beneficiaries of the ESG trade as say copper is. It's just mm-hmm. not. And no. so it, the JSC, if we don't get this local economy going and mm-hmm. to drive the domestic ink side of things, mm-hmm. I, I, there are problems ahead. Totally. What do you mean for the JSC? Just Joanne, qualify that because David and I spoke about this last night and I said the demise of the JSC has started, but it's going to be precipitated by if any of those seven stocks that David spoke about decide, you know what, it's lovely. This is a legacy issue. We love being on the JSC because we used to do business here, but we're not doing business here anymore. So we're going to just cancel our listing and stay where we are. Joanne, I mean, is that a possibility over the next 20, 25 years or so? Look, I haven't, I have given it no thought, but I guess the fact is you've got a lot of capital capital in South Africa buying those shares. So why would you want to cancel a listing? Because remember, we can't take all our money offshore and Regulation 28 only allows you to 45% offshore. So if you really want more offshore, you've got to buy those shares. So you've got a lot of money in South Africa chasing those same assets. So if I was one of those companies, I certainly wouldn't want to get rid of a listing here because I'd like the fact that the pension funds in South Africa are fourth buyer of my assets. Mm. Good point. Okay. So, I mean, I haven't actually thought about it that is, in great detail, yeah. but, but like, I mean, yeah. That's a very good point. <laughs> no, that's a very valid point. It's valid. The regulation 28, you know, uh, prevent, people have to buy here. Mm. And it does give, it gives the market an underpin. And that's where we come back to the process. Nice best story. You know, it's, um, you don't need to own them. If you, well, I, I, Joanne, sorry, I, I have, and, and <laughs> sorry, you can go first. We didn't no, no, want to no. talk about I just interviewed a whole bunch of local equity managers the other day, and it was very interesting for me. They were all underweight resources. They were basically nonplussed about SA Inc., either hating them or loving them, but kind of nowhere in the in between. And I got the feeling the only reason they liked NASPAS and Process is that they didn't know what else to buy. Yes. <laughs> and I'm serious. They didn't quite say it that way. Uh-uh. But, but when you look at the mathematical arguments behind the JSC, and you have to be in something, if you're underweight everything – and you can't buy everything. You can't only buy Anhalsa Bush and Richmond. Well, you're left with Naspas and Process, okay. aren't you? No, exactly. So, <laughs> so let's let's analyze it. You know, Process and Naspas as a Chinese tech company where you don't really want to buy it. ABM Bev is a booze company. Mm-hmm. Richmond is a luxury company you don't want to own. British American Tobacco sells tobacco and cigarettes. So, I mean, you know, when you come to your ESG argument. Oh, no, it's terrible. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but David, please don't misunderstand me. I'm not pro-ESG in any shape or form. In fact, I I love these anti-ESG funds. They're my favorite. Uh, And they've made people tons of money. Okay, so I'm very much the school of thought um, that, you know, we can't go to zero immediately. You've got to transition the world. and. You know, yeah, let's not go there because I might get some hate mail. Um, but, 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 but the fact is, the JSC doesn't score very highly from the ESG perspective. Yeah. So you know let me what just get this straight, is. Joanne. No, sorry, David. Let me get this straight. You are, you are an ESG skeptic. Is that what you're saying, Joanne? No. Uh, well, I'm actually saying two things. I mean, yes, I'm an, uh, 
slightly sceptical on ESG, but that's a different argument. All I'm saying is when I've told I can't invest in something and money gets pulled out of it, then I find that quite interesting because then there's no capex going into projects. There's going to be higher profit margins. That's just, that's, you know, economics 101. You want to be in companies where other people aren't rushing to because you can have super profits. Well, that's exactly what's happened in energy companies and and for a long time coal. So not that I think these are great, not that they're wonderfully good companies for the world economy, but, but, but we also are investing people's money. I mean, there is, You've got to think about it two ways. You want to make people money so they can retire comfortably one day. And a lot of these companies that the ESG crowd can't buy have made people a lot of money. I don't understand ESG. I mean, this this is a very, very naive <laughs> argument from a layman here. If you're looking at China, for example, you say, well, this company's great. This company's very good indeed. And uh, I really want to invest in it. And I like the company and it's not doing any harm. But if you look at the country in which it's housed, this is a country that is a dictatorship. Let's, let's make no bones about it. China is a dictatorship and becoming more so as more power is given to Xi. They persecute Uyghur, Mus- Uyghur Muslims because they're not Chinese enough for, for, to their liking. And um, they, they want to take over Taiwan. So where do you draw the line? I, I said this to a very large fund manager uh, a little while ago. And I said, why are you investing in China if you are so ESG um uh what's a pro esg and uh, he said well it's a very very good question and i can't answer it so is it company specific or is it country specific i find it's a a little bit hypocritical i've asked that question to lots of esg people okay and and they all just pretend they didn't hear the question exactly okay so i have asked that question many times because i've gone okay you're so totally pro these are like esg friendly it's not polluting the planet it's looking after its people properly but you're buying in china mm. despotic government that does the most dreadful things and yet you say that's fine no no that's the problem with esg though is 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 this transitioning element of esg so they get away with murder by just saying oh well one day it will be a good company so i'm buying it today because one day it'll be nice uh, and that's all they have to do Okay, that's the reality of it. You shouldn't buy a a fund because it's got ESG metrics. Buy a fund because, okay, let's put it a different way. Businesses that do bad things in the environment will ultimately have bad profit margins because they will have an oil spill or something, something bad will go wrong. That's something that's not sustainable earnings. But we've been doing that for years. David, when you've been analyzing companies, mm-hmm. you've been doing the, looking at their business practices, yeah, their governance. Yeah, yeah. This is not a newfangled idea no, you've come up no. with. You've done it all your life. I, so, I, I was, so why yeah. should it be an ESG? Why should it simply no, um, be something I, that's prescriptive? That's such a, that's such a good point because uh, I, I don't care about ESG. That doesn't mean I don't care about ESG because exactly. I've, I've – <laughs> what you – know, you know, if um, – what I was going to say earlier on is that my approach to the market is very simple. If you can't do it in 20 shares, you're not going to be able to do it in 200 shares. So I'm always believed that you keep your, you know, investments short. You know, you, you choose 20 very, very good companies, but to choose those companies, you have to do, uh, invest. What do they do? You know, that's why I was cynically saying they, they make cigarettes. I can't buy a cigarette company. I cannot buy a tobacco company. And, uh, you know, the same applies, in my view, to gambling and so on. Um, and, yes, you might say, well, in one of the, in, in one of the tech companies somewhere along the line, there's a, a, a small gaming business. I don't know. Um, but I'm saying that's exactly what you have to do. You have to be satisfied with the business model. You have to be satisfied with management. And it takes time to understand and learn about management. 
You know, it, it, you, you have to follow them. That's why I can't go into Tesla. I just despise the man. I do not. Really? Do you know what I mean? That's a strong word. Yeah, I, you despise Elon Musk. I, do you know what happened? I, I credit to what he does. He's a brilliant man and he's, you know, he's a, uh, I, I can't fault that. But as a personality, I can't take him, and especially that he's pro-Trump. That even makes him worse, you know. So um, that, you know, for that reason, I will not buy Tesla, you know, just because of the man running the business. And I think Sorry, it applies. Like you, you, mm. The way you said that, it makes me feel like you're a part of that. Um, for that reason, I'm out. What's that program called on TV <laughs> when they go, I'm not investing. For that reason, I'm out. <laughs> oh, the Apprentice or whatever it's called, yeah. Yeah, Apprentice. That sounds yeah, like yeah. that book, David. For that reason, yeah. I'm out. <laughs> Yeah. Okay, well, you've got to have something good. to stand for. It's a fine that's principle. What it is. He's a lunatic. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, I don't. Yeah, he is a lunatic. And, and you know, you can see, well, for whatever reason, but I d- don't take anything away from his motor car or what he's achieved in life and uh, his business brain. It's not that. But I think you've got to know and feel happy with the people that are running the company. And uh, I look at many local companies here and, uh, you know, see the people who are running and say, no. Nah, I'm not going to do them. I know what they do. I know who they are. Now, you know, <laughs> frivolous with their a, money. But it's I, I don't want it things to be, like, mm, David, how they treat mm, their staff. Mm, you know, it's something as simple mm, as that. Mm, That's an ESG exactly. principle. Mm. And I guess where I'm coming from is that ESG has got, you know, the Europeans have come up with these rules and you can't do this and you can't do that. And I guess where I'm coming from, I've been in markets for a very long time. Good fund managers mm. have always thought about these things. Yeah. It's not like they woke up the one morning and suddenly thought about it. You know, okay. if you're going to have, suddenly have to pay a lot more for carbon credits, that's going to cost your business more. You've got to think about these things. It's not going to – yeah, sorry, Lindsay. Okay, no, you've got to stop now, you two, because um, I'm, you, we could go on for two hours with with this stuff, but I have to get onto the market. No, well, Jane's clever. It's nice to have her. Huh? <laughs> She's smart. <laughs> Hello. Thanks, David. Only been smart, smart people on this program. Uh, no, I know that. <laughs> <laughs> lovely. It's so good. Yes, I know. And just, just shut up uh, for a moment, you two. <laughs> let, me, let me give you the markets. <laughs> the, the dollar rand is strong. It's 18, mm. 1816. It's half a percent uh, down for the US dollar. The mm. British pound against the rand is uh, 2241, a 0.3% fall for the pound. And the uh, euro rand is 1968, which is, what is that, uh, down 0.3% as well. Euro dollar, 108.44. So the euro has gained by just over a quarter of a percent. British pound, uh, 123.45, the, the, the mighty pound mm. is bouncing back very nicely indeed. Let's go to commodities now. Where we've got the gold price at 1967 at $15 an ounce, the platinum price down a couple to 974 and palladium down 4 to 14.03, very quiet on the white metal front. If we look at the other commodities, yeah, back from the brink for the uh, oil prices. West Texas crude is $73.63, Brent crude $79.03, and both of those up around about 1.2%. Uh, natural gas prices, yeah, down a little bit. They were down 5% yesterday, just creeping lower once more. What else we got here? Um, S&P 500 futures down very slightly, just hovering above 4,000. Mm-hmm. Uh, the US 10-year Treasury yield... Uh, it's it's creeping higher. It's three point five six percent. Let's call it. And the South African ten-year closed at nine point nine one percent, which is actually down a couple of basis points. Bitcoin after that uh, Binance uh, story, um, it's recovering a little bit. It's just above twenty-seven thousand, which is up half a percent on the day. And if we have a look at uh, what's happened on the JSE today, David, before well, as I get up my other screen, what individual shares caught your eye? 
Um, Sassel, for whatever reason, <laughs> uh, had a good bounce today. When I say a good bounce, it was up 5%. Um, I'm not sure the background to that, you know, why all of a sudden Sassel bounced like that. Um, I don't think because the rand was uh, a little weaker and also the oil price only marginally stronger. So that's uh, a little bit of a mystery. Then it was uh, Durban Deep which has come up like old shares, Suntum, Sappy, Process, Nasbeth. I've got some information for, for Joanne just to illustrate, yeah. um, you know, what this means. Uh, I mean, just to, to, to reinforce the argument. But um, on the downside, uh, um, Lindsay, um, Bites. Bites is a company which goes from 80 Rand to 90 Rand. And now today it's on the downside at 80 Rand where you can buy it because it's going to go up to 85 Rand. But Bites was down. Um, down 2.4 percent. Richmond down as well, I think, uh, because they heard Joanne's views on uh, what's her name on, on luxury. She's the oracle. <laughs> 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 but, uh, uh, yeah, Lindsay, I just want to, I just want to give Joanne some numbers here, and it's, 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 it's really to illustrate what I was saying. Here we go. Today, the total market value was that we traded was say 24 four and a bit billion. Mm. Okay. Twenty four billion today. Nasbest made up fourteen and a half percent of the Good trades. Heavens. That's incredible. And process nine or ten percent. So between the two, um, it was twenty five, twenty three, twenty four percent of trade today, Nasbest and Process. And they did release the numbers if you want to. So they do give you an update uh, all the time and uh Nasbest because it's in Rands. Uh, before the period 20th of March to 24 March, the group purchased 550,000 shares, average price of what for a total value of 1.7 trillion rand. Holy mm. moly. So, sorry, sorry, I apologize. 1.7 billion, billion rand. Yes. 1783, yeah. 783 million rand. So it's 1.7 billion rand. One week, you know, that's their purchases. So that's that's the reason why I just watch them and say I'm not selling them until such time as they get a little fatigued about buying back <laughs> shares or they run out of money. Okay. But on the that's on, not great for stockbrokers in the JSC, no, though. No, it's no, of really course not, not great. No, no, they don't see any of that money. No. no. No, right. not at all. If they are trading, it's at a very, very – they, they're not going to pay. They're going to pay yeah. – they pay one pip or something like yes. that. Yeah. So oh. – and, and in fact, the, 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 the process – sorry, Lindsay. That's they, right. they also bought back shares for the worth – in the same time, uh, $329 million. So work that out. That's even more. Uh, in 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 rand terms that they bought back, so it's very disturbing it, it the whole thing. Actually, you're mm, painting a picture mm, which um, we, mm. at the moment we sort of shrug it off, and it's a it's a it's, it's one show. But in five years' time, if we're having the same conversation, I wonder what we'd be saying when it comes to Naspers uh, process and the seven top stocks that you spoke about earlier on, David. Except mm. except Lindsay, mm. I, I joined the markets in '97. Oh, yeah. Okay, and I remember thinking the JSE would never survive. You know, after the tech crash, it was all going to be over for us. And yet the JSC continues to do well. I mean, one of the stories that we don't give a lot of talk to because it hasn't happened yet, but I think South Africa could potentially be, be one of the best in the world at renewable, renewable energy, yes. solar, batteries. Mm. I think we've got great potential because we're forced to. You know, the, the expression of a bird market plan, I think, is very true about South Africa. We've got no choice. 
Uh, and what about those companies coming to the JSC one day? What if we start seeing big companies yeah, like that? You've got to be, it's, it's we, got to be, things uh, keep changing. It's got to be overseas people coming in to help mm. us as well. It can't mm. just be homegrown stuff because no, we don't I have know, the skills, the technology, the money. And when mm. they have a look That's at what's insane. happening in South Africa, I mean, a scary article this morning I read in um, the Daily Maverick about the corruption and violence in um, Pumalanga, for, for example. I'm looking at this, at this as a, an overseas investor and I say, What's going to go on? Maybe someone's going to turn up at my office with an AK-47. That is the one thing that, that, that holds people Lindsay, back and holds back I, the I'm whole not, industry. I, I, I don't finished? want to get into a whole political thing again about South Africa because I think everyone knows the story here really well, unfortunately. It needs to be reinforced, but, but I, Joanne. But, but I guess where I'm coming from is when I said I joined the markets in 97, I didn't think the JSE would survive it. And the JSC is still around. You know, it's one of the oldest stock markets in the world. And yes, it's depressing when when David gives numbers of that. There's most of the trade is in two shares, and it's like it's virtually no trade at all. But I'm saying is, whenever all that negative things surprise us, that's all I'm saying to you is there are often good news stories. We forget about it. South Africa still has massive potential. And I don't want to get into the whole debate about the ANC and the EFF. It's, no, you don't. We, we know the story. Okay, we don't. But but. I'm just saying things surprise us. Okay. On the, on the upside on the JSC today, just to uh, em amplify what David said, Sassel up just over 5%, Northern Platinum up nearly 5%, Roynet up nearly 45 Sun International up nearly 4%, and DRD Gold up 3.8%. On the downside, again, that company bites down 2.4%. Richemont fell nearly 1.9%. Hammerson also the same. And what else? Vodacom fell 0.8%. David, give us the closing JSE indices uh, with volume, uh, uh, volume, and also the <laughs> US markets, if you would. I gave you the volumes. Yeah, I know, but <laughs> you need to tell me again. Um, mm. Okay, I'll tell you. Go on. So uh, the all share ended up 1.01% at 7.6047. Nice. Uh, resources making all the headway. They're the uh, resource 10 up 2.36%. The overall resource index up 2.29%. Um, banks, 1.5% one, one uh, up. Um, financials generally better, but industrials under a little bit of pressure. And that's because some of those heavy weights that actually influenced the market were down, which was ABM, British American Tobacco and Richmond. They came under a little bit of pressure, so exerted some downward pressure on the uh, you know, on the industrial index, the industrial index up 0.13%, but the consumer side of it was under pressure. So overall, I think it was probably four to five gainers for every loser. Um, so pretty good day today. And the value, as I said earlier on, 24. was around about 24 billion, made up of NASPERS, Process and Gold Shares, Goldfields, Angler Gold and the banks, First Rand and Standard Bank. Very mm. good. Joanne, David, thank you very much for your time. Joanne, will you join us again? Because David uh, as, as yes. seems, seems to like it because I don't say I as much as I have to be a little do. more polished now. I know what I'm up against. <laughs> oh, rubbish. rubbish. <laughs> okay, you're booked for once a week, Joanne. Thank you very much. Joanne Bainham is from Sterling Private Wealth in Cape Town. David Shapiro, of course, from Sassfin uh, Securities in Johannesburg. David. And that was the sure. five o'clock shadow. <laughs> The views and opinions expressed in these podcasts are those of Lindsay Williams and various contributors and do not reflect the policy, position 
or opinion of any other agency, organization, employer, or company associated with strictlybusinesspodcast.com. Assumptions made on the analyses are not reflective of the position of any other entity other than the speaker or the author. And since we are critically thinking human beings, these views are always subject to change, revision, and rethinking at any time. Please do not hold us to them in perpetuity.